good morning again. Glad you are here. Hey, over the last couple of weeks, if you've uh, joined with us, you know that I've talked uh, each Sunday morning about Ukraine and uh, what's happening there and how as people of faith that we can respond and uh, really come alongside to rally around our brothers and sisters in the Lord um, in that region. And, uh, you know, I've shared with you that we have four square churches that are both in Russia and in Ukraine. In fact, we have, I, I talked to a couple leaders yesterday in our movement, and there are dozens of four square churches in Ukraine. And what I learned yesterday is that not one of their pastors has chosen to evacuate. Every single one of them has chosen to be there with their people just embedded in their community to continue to serve, uh, to just, well, to be God's presence in the midst of all the horrors that are going on. But we have lots of Foursquare ministries. And listen, I know there are all kinds of great ministries. There are all kinds of believers that are uh, bringing a touch of the Lord to people who are displaced, who are refugees, who are hurting, um, who are broken. And, uh, but man, but Foursquare, our, our family, right, is there. And uh, we have so many people who are serving in some amazing and beautiful ways, both inside Ukraine um, and then in the surrounding countries as they provide care for the millions of people that are now coming, you know, into foreign places going, we don't even know where to turn. You know, they don't know where their next meals are coming from. They don't know, uh, you know, how to respond with their lives. Guess what? Our brothers and sisters are there meeting them and helping them, loving them, and literally giving them places to stay and food on their backs and food in their bellies. And uh, there's a, a little video that was shot uh, just in the last days in Poland um, some uh, uh, leaders from the United States, Foursquare leaders were there and uh, to bring a report. And so it's a, uh, less than three minutes long, but I, I'd like you to, to listen in and uh, take heart in what God is doing through our global Foursquare family. Take a look. Well, I think when we've come here in the past, we always sensed that God was um, just using Poland and setting Poland up for an opportunity to minister back to the nations of Europe. Here, the other people uh, are our friends from Ukraine who are actually living in our uh, the in church home. facility. Oh, the church. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, Sasha, Liz, Luisa, <laughs> Sasha, Luisa, <laughs> they're helping with that. We have the incredible privilege of partnering with uh, the team from Foursquare Poland. And as a team, we have tried to mobilize and meet the immediate needs here. Of course, uh, Poland has become a focus for the world right now with everything that's going on in Ukraine. And it's been amazing to watch the Polish people just rise to the occasion and respond to the needs. So we have here, we have Christians and we have a Jewish people as well. You see <laughs> the, the Torah? The Torah. Torah. Every single day there are greater needs, uh, greater opportunities, and a greater magnitude of, of even suffering that we see. And yet through this, this suffering we see the grace of God in such a powerful way. And we're seeing the body of Christ rise up together. And so it's, it's just a, a, a great moment to, to see Foursquare Poland 
just rise and shine and begin to serve the people of this great country. Here in Tarnoof, we have the privilege of working with our local church and a foundation. And the foundation is called The Bridge. It's such an appropriate name as there is a bridge that's being formed now between Poland and Ukraine. Some of the things that we're working with is, is helping people find food and even purchase food for the people that are here, that they're taking care of the, the Ukraine refugees. Also help them with clothing and places to stay. And our biggest concern is not the immediate need, um, but also the long-term care that's needed. Ian and I would like to thank you for partnering with us in Foursquare Disaster Relief to meet the immediate needs of the refugees from Ukraine. And we appreciate all that you have done, your giving, your uh, the money that you've been sending, the physical products that have been delivered. Uh, we thank you from the bottom of our heart. Foursquare is a family, and it's been so evident to see that with Foursquare Disaster Relief, with the people that came, uh, boots on the ground, with the FMI Europe working together and the churches coming together, it's, it's, it's you at home. You are a part of that. This is our chance to shine in Poland with our Foursquare family. So thank you so much for everything that you are doing. Bless the Lord. Hey, would you put up the Ukraine slide, the Ukraine Relief? Um, I am really happy to say that just in the last couple of weeks, just from our church, um, we have given several thousand dollars um, towards this relief effort. When you, when you saw the, you know, the church area where just people are, are giving and, and just extending that generosity, some of that has been happening because you and I have been giving and that we have been just mobilizing, not only through prayer, but also through our generosity. And so I'm just going to ask you, this is going to be a long-term sustained generosity effort. Um, listen, we give to all kinds of things because we're people with generous hearts, open hearts. We have been touched by the Lord. He has given us everything that we have. And so guess what we do? We say, God, just as we've been singing, everything that I am, everything that I have, it's yours. And so, God, I just want to, like, I want to partner with what's going on uh, in, in Ukraine and in those surrounding uh, regions. And so, please, 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 take note. Just go to our giving page. And when you go to our giving page on sm4.org slash giving, you're going to see Ukrainian flag. When you click there and give there, 100% of everything you give is going to go directly to these efforts inside Ukraine and in those surrounding uh, countries as they receive and welcome refugees in the name of Jesus. And I'm so thankful that we get to partner with that. Uh, next week, I might get to share another story about how Kelly and I have found a, a fun way to be generous towards this. Um, but listen, let's, just, let's open our hearts and our wallets as we give. Amen? We're a generous people because our hearts are being transformed by the Lord. Hey, in fact, we've been in this series that we started a couple of weeks ago called A Heart for God. Heart for God. Scripture is filled from the Old Testament to the New with all kinds of imagery and language about the heart because it's the center of who we are. And uh, so last week I talked about having a pure heart. And this week, would you welcome Pastor Kaylin Lara as she comes and brings the word today. I'm so excited. Take us deeper. 
Awesome. Well, it is so good to be with some grown-ups today. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Kaylin. I am one of the pastors here on staff at Santa Maria Foursquare Church. And uh, you might see me up here leading worship most Sundays. Um, but not only do I have the privilege of worshiping with all of you, but I also get to serve your kiddos every week. And uh, I love being with our safari kids because I know how important it is for them to learn about Jesus and to grow in their relationship with God starting from a really young age. And so uh, we have some incredible volunteers and incredible teachers who are leading your kids and caring for your kids every week. And by the time they are old enough to understand what it, words that are coming out of our mouths, we are teaching them about the truth of God's word and about who they are in Christ. And so I love being with our safari kids because I believe that they are world changers. And I know that um, it's just special to be a part of what God is doing and being able to equip these kids with everything that they'll need to continue to grow in their relationship with God. And although you guys might be a little bit older, I think that you guys can be world changers too. <laughs> and so I'm excited to be with you all today. Um, when Pastor Tim invited me to share in this series about having a heart for God, I was really excited um, because uh, I know that God is doing things in and he is working in each and every age group of our church, starting from the little babies all the way through our oldest grandparents. Um, God is doing something special, and so it is awesome to be a part. And I could not say no to the opportunity today because after this little baby comes, I don't know when the next time is that I'll be able to share with you guys. So, because I'll have like a little crying baby in tow for a while. Um, but uh, we are so excited for you guys to meet our little guy. Uh, today, I am 34 weeks pregnant, um, and uh, so we are very excited, but uh, the doctors keep saying that he is a very big boy, so uh, because I feel like I could pop at any moment, uh, let's not waste any more time. We'll get started today. <laughs> uh, I want to start this morning by asking you guys a question. How many of you have ever tried to build a fire? Raise your hands. Whether it was, awesome, I see some of you guys have. Whether it was camping, or maybe you have a fire pit in your backyard, or maybe you have an actual fireplace in your home. It's not just like a light switch that you turn on and off, right? Uh, we... Um, as kids, we built a lot of fires. And I will admit that I did not always get to build a lot of them because it was usually my older brother's job because he loved building fires. And uh, growing up, uh, me and my family, uh, we would spend weeks during the summer and in the winter up in the mountains near Big Bear um, because my parents would uh, run youth church camps up in the mountains. And so uh, starting from when I was a little infant uh, all the way through when I was about seven years old, we would spend weeks up in the mountains. And by the time we were old enough for our parents to let us, my brothers and I would spend hours finding the perfect wood for a fire, 
looking for the perfect kindling, uh, searching for the perfect pine cones uh, that would light up this fire really well. And um, I think that we spent so much time around the fire as a family and building fires together that probably by the end of these weeks of camps, uh, we would go home and our clothes and our hair would reek like smoke probably for weeks to come afterward. But what I learned from building fires, watching my brother build fires and attempting to build some on my own, is that it's hard work. There's quite a process that you have to go through to build a good fire. Uh, First, you have to look for the wood and the kindling, like I said, the pine cones that we used. Um, But if it's like the winter up on a snowy mountain like it was for us, it can be hard to find the right wood because they could be really wet wood and that's not going to burn very well. So you have to find the right materials to build the fire. Then you have to construct the right structure right? Because if you construct it in a way where wind can just blow through, then wind will blow out the fire that you start. So you have to construct it in the right way. And then you actually have to light the fire. And depending on your method of lighting, it could be harder or easier. Uh, If you have a match or a lighter, it could be a little easier. But if you're like rubbing two sticks together, that would be a lot harder. Um, And then once the fire is finally lit, you can't just walk away and ignore it. One, that would be dangerous, but also you have to tend to the fire. Uh, You have to keep stoking it or else it'll go out. So sometimes you have to add more wood or sometimes add fuel or things like that so that the fire does not die out. And I believe that building and tending to a fire is similar to the process that we go through in growing a passionate heart for God. We're in this series that Pastor Tim was talking about, about having a heart for God. And last week we talked about having a pure heart. And this week I want to talk to you about having a passionate heart for God. In order to have a heart for God, we must be passionate about the things of God. We must burn with the passion for God in a way that sets our hearts on fire. Just like the song that we learned today that said, let it rise, let it rise. Holy fire, burn inside. As a church, we shouldn't be comfortable with just having a little puny fire with a flickering flame that will be blown out by any wind that comes our way. We want to have a fire that burns so brightly and it can't be blown out. And it burns so brightly that even people around us can see the fire that is burning inside of us for God. There is a pastor and an author uh, named uh, A.W. Tozer. He's a theologian and um, he wrote about a people who have this passion for God And as a church, the kind of people um, that we should be and have this passion for God. And he called these people who were so passionate as belonging to the fellowship of the burning heart. And there's a quote that says, I am looking for the fellowship of a burning heart. For men and women of all generations everywhere, 
who love the Savior until adoration becomes the music of their soul, until they don't have to be fooled with and entertained and amused. Jesus is everything, all in all. When Jesus is everything to us, that we don't need anything else, that we don't need to be amused by anything else, entertained by anything else, but that he is everything to us. That is what having a passionate heart for God looks like. Unfortunately, though, our world uh, has a different way of showing what passion is sometimes. And uh, in fact, the dictionary has several different definitions for what passion is. One definition says that passion is a strong, barely controllable emotion. Another definition says that passion is an outburst of strong emotion. And we see this kind of passion that the dictionary talks about when we think of like teenage girls who see their celebrity crush, right? Like Justin Bieber! or Harry Styles, or any other boy band that you might think of, um, when they are just brought to weeping tears because they are so excited to be in the presence, right, of that person. But this kind of passion is not only seen in teenage girls, but it's also seen in grown men. When they spend hundreds or maybe thousands of dollars on a ticket to go see their favorite sports team, right? Some of them will even paint their bodies. They will jump up and down, cheering, screaming for their team, right? Yes. (laughs) But let me tell you that passion doesn't have to look like some crazy reaction to some strong emotion. The Bible actually gives us a different example of what passion can look like. And we are going to look at this example from the life of King David. You might know David as a shepherd boy who you might have heard of him as going up against this giant named Goliath and defeating him, right? But David was not just a shepherd. He was actually chosen by God from a young age to be the king of Israel. He was anointed at a young age to be king, but he actually had to wait quite a while before he stepped into his kingship, right? When he was growing up, there was a different king, and his name was Saul. And Saul, uh, he made some big mistakes, and he made choices that didn't always honor God. And so God sent a prophet to King Saul to tell him that, but your reign as king is coming to an end. And we see later in the Bible, there's a chapter in the book of Acts that actually gives a report of the history of the people of God and the Israelites at that time. And this is what it tells us in verse 22 of chapter 13. It says, God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to. 
So when David did finally become king, he ruled for 40 years over Israel. And in that 40 years, he didn't do everything perfectly. He made some really big mistakes too. But the difference between King David and the kings that came before him and even after him is that David was dedicated to doing the will of God. He desired to do everything that God wanted him to do. And that is the definition of having a passionate heart for God. It's not about acting crazy or being led by some strong sense of emotion. Passion is going all in being fully engaged in what God calls you to do. Passion is going all in. It's being so on fire for God that nothing can blow out your flame. So today, I want to talk about a process of how we can start to build the fire of a passionate heart for God. The first thing that we can do to build this passionate heart for God is to not worry about what other people are thinking of us. When we're focused on what others think about us, we won't be as passionate about the things that God has called us to. One of my favorite stories of King David is found in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And in this chapter, the Israelites, the people of God, are bringing the ark of God into the city of David. Now, this was a really special, important task because the ark of God at that time was the place where God's presence resided. So anywhere that the ark was, that place was blessed because God's presence was there. And so David took this task really seriously. And it says that when they were bringing in the ark of God into the city of David, that there was a big celebration. In 2 Samuel 6, starting in verse 14, it says that David danced before the Lord with all his might wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of ram's horns. David was so filled with passion that he danced with all of his might for God. But in the next verse, we see something very interesting take place. It says that, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, who was also David's wife, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. There was something in her that despised the way that David was worshiping God. Something inside of her just grew in this contempt, this hatred for how David was praising the Lord. 
And in the verse that we read before, it says that David was wearing a priestly garment, which was probably more like a dress or a robe. And so when he was dancing, uh, he probably revealed some things that uh, shouldn't have been revealed, maybe. Um, But he didn't care about what was going on around him. He was just worshiping God. And so in verse 20, we see this reaction or this interaction that happens between McCall and David. It says, when David returned home to bless his own family, McCall, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamingly shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to McCall, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. He didn't care what anybody else thought of what he was doing. He was worshiping God and dancing before the Lord with all of his might. He didn't care about looking foolish or undignified, He just wanted to worship God with all that he was. And this story of King David has impacted my life as a worshiper throughout my entire life. Uh, Ever since I was a little kid. And you guys will probably agree with me that most kids don't really care a lot about what other people think of them when they're little right? Uh, Little three-year-olds or four-year-olds, you see them running around the grocery stores singing and dancing, right? They don't care about what's going on around them. They just, they just do what they want, okay? (laughs) Uh, And, um, but we see that when kids start to get a little bit older, they become more aware of the things that are going on around them. And eventually, they begin to kind of reprogram themselves to act more like others so that they fit in. And statistics actually show us that once kids are around the age of junior high, they are so influenced by things that they might see on TV or their friends or social media that they begin to conform into somebody that they think that other people will like. And I know that this is true in my own story. When I was a little kid, I was so passionate for God. I told you the story of us building fires up on the mountains, right? Because my parents were running these church camps. Um, And these church camps were geared toward junior high and high school students. But as I said, I was like an infant when I was brought up to these camps with my parents because they were running the camps. And so I would go to the church services that these youth students would have. 
as like a three-year-old, four-year-old growing up until about seven years old, I didn't care that there were high schoolers, right? I would run to the front of the room and I would worship God. I would sing loudly. I would dance. I would bow down because I didn't care about what was going on around me. I didn't care who was looking at me. I was just passionate about God. I loved him and I knew that he loved me. And so I wanted to worship him with all that I was. And there was a song that we actually sang at camp that references this a story of David from 2 Samuel. And the lyrics of this song says, I will dance and I will sing to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. And I'll become even more undignified than this, that some might say it's foolishness. Does anybody else recognize that song? I love that song. (laughs) And as a little kid, I embodied the words of this song. I didn't care. I was so passionate and nothing was going to take away this passion. Nothing was going to hinder this passion that I had for God. But as I grew up, I started to become more aware of the people around me, even as I was worshiping. And probably when I was in fifth or sixth grade, older older elementary school, I remember one time that I was worshiping at church and I opened my eyes and I saw other kids looking at me and laughing at me for the way that I was worshiping God. And that severely (laughs) impacted my life. Because I didn't want other kids to think that I was weird, right? I wanted to fit in. And so I made the decision to kind of tone down my worship. I still loved God, but I didn't want to look uncool. And so I let what other people thought of me change the way that I acted. Not only in worship, but... I allowed what people thought of me to change the way that I dressed, change the way that I talked, uh, to some extent change the things that I watched on TV or movies that I watched, right? I just wanted to fit in and feel like I was just like everybody else. But the definition that we talked about, about having a passionate heart for God, says that we would go all in. And I lost that part of my worship for God. I was no longer going all in. Sure, I might lift up a hand, you know, and worship, but I was not fully giving myself to worshiping my Savior and my Creator. So I am very happy that as I continued to grow and as I matured a little bit more, I remembered the lyrics of that song that we would sing at camp. And I remember this story of King David. And I decided that I wanted to live out that kind of passion for God. In my life and in my worship, I didn't want to care about what other people thought of me so much. I wanted to do whatever God was calling me to do.
And so this change was not an immediate change, but slowly I started responding to God in an authentic way instead of toning it down for other people. Now, worship is not only done in singing songs. Worship is our response to God for all that he has done and for all that he is doing. And so that means that we can actually worship anywhere that we are and whatever we are doing. Because if we're doing it in response to God, it can be worship. So how many of you know that cleaning your house can actually be worship to God? Whether you're folding laundry, doing dishes, mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, if you are doing it with a grateful heart in in an attitude that says, thank you God for blessing me with this house, for blessing my family, for providing for us. I just wanna take care of what you've given me. The same thing can be, it can be worship when we exercise our bodies, right? When we do it in the attitude of God, thank you for giving me this body that I have. I wanna take care of it in the right way. It can all be worship if we are doing it in response to who God is and what he has done. And so when we do worship in song, we are practicing this full response to God. And that's why I really love worshiping in song. It's because it's a time where I feel like I can be completely open and vulnerable with God. And so shameless plug once again, I really think that you guys should all make it a priority to come to the night of worship next week because we are going to dedicate time to worship God in song. And it's not gonna be like just a normal church service. We're not tied to the same structure and time frame, right? So we can actually practice what I'm talking about right now. Practice not caring about what other people are thinking around you, but practice responding to God in a way that is authentic and true. So this first step about having a passionate heart for God is not caring about what other people think about us. And the second thing that we can do to build this fire of a passionate heart for God is reject laziness. If you are truly passionate about something, you will be proactive. And when I think about people who are passionate, one of the first groups of people that come to my mind actually are entrepreneurs, okay? I watch a show called Shark Tank where there are people that uh, have companies and businesses and they're making products and they go on this television show to stand in front of a panel of investors and they tell them all about their product and why it's important and why it's needed in the world so that they can try to raise funds for their business. And the really cool thing, I think, about this show, Shark Tank, is that most of these people, these entrepreneurs, these inventors, are just regular people. Some of them are like stay-at-home moms. 
Some of them are unemployed high school graduates. Uh, some of them have different jobs, but they saw something that they, and they had this idea to create a product that would solve a problem that they saw in the world. And I think that hearing their stories is often really inspiring because the entrepreneurs that are the most successful are the ones who reject laziness. They dedicate their time and their energy and their effort into making their business successful. And it's really inspiring to hear a lot of their stories because if there is somebody who has a family, then uh, they often are working after they put their kids to bed and they're staying up late into the night. Or if they have another job, maybe they get up super early in the morning to work on making their product better and continuing to make their business successful. But these people are willing to do whatever it takes to make their business a success. And having a passionate heart for God will also require us to reject laziness. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes to build up this fire in our heart. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 says that we are called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. We aren't called to love God just with part of our heart or part of our strength, part of our might, right? We are called to go all in. To be passionate is to love God with your whole heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. So that means that loving God will often require some effort from us. When we love God and we are passionate about doing his will, we will say yes when he calls us to do something. We shouldn't get lazy about accomplishing what God has called us to do. So this takes some effort. For example... If you feel like God is directing you and calling you to invite your neighbor to church, you shouldn't sit back and think, oh, I'll probably go invite them like in the summer because like I'll, I'll get to know them better first, right? Don't sit back and be lazy when God is calling you to do something. Go and do it. It requires effort. We have to take that step, but we need to be responsive to God. The same thing if you feel like God is calling you to volunteer in the church, whether it is serving coffee and donuts at the coffee cart in the courtyard, or whether it's holding a crying baby in the nursery, or teaching our preschoolers, or getting up on stage and playing an instrument or singing with the worship team, or greeting people as they walk into the sanctuary, or manning the cameras so that our online audience can be blessed, right? If God is calling you to serve in the church, it will require some effort. It will require some dedication. But when God calls you to do something, we need to say yes. Because if we don't fully commit, then 
we're not going to be these passionate people for God that we want to be. When God was talking about David, he said that this man will do everything that I want him to do. And I pray the same thing for myself and for all of you, that when you hear God calling you to do something, that you would respond and say, God, I'm open to do anything and everything that you are calling me to do. I will reject laziness. I will reject these excuses that can come up into my mind. And I'll do anything that you want. So the third thing that we can do to build a fire of a passionate heart for God is to not allow anything else to satisfy our desires. When we think about a passionate relationship between two committed people, we think about people who have a deep desire for one another. And issues can start to arise in these relationships if one or both of them start to open themselves up to or look for other things to satisfy the desires that they have. But it's not just like this in relationships between people. It can also be uh, emotional affairs that we have with anything that we are drawn to to fulfill the desires that we have. Because we all desire to be loved. We all desire to feel comfortable. We all desire to feel satisfied. And so we can be drawn to different things to satisfy those desires. We can be drawn to binge watching Netflix or consuming too much alcohol or consuming lots of food or even the other extreme, exercising too much to get to this body shape that we think will satisfy us, right? Or posting lots of selfies so that we can get as many likes as we can. Because we all have this desire to be loved and to be satisfied. But if we allow ourselves to be distracted from the one thing that can truly satisfy us, then this fire of passion in our hearts will start to die out. In Psalm 63, verse 1, this is a psalm written by David, and he's speaking about this desire to be satisfied by God alone. And he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He describes this desire for God like an unquenchable thirst that can only be satisfied by God Himself. If you imagine someone who is literally dying of thirst in the desert, they are desperate for anything that will quench the thirst that's inside of them. And if they come upon some water that is muddy and dirty and maybe even polluted, they don't care. They will consume whatever it is that will quench this thirst because they are dying. They are desperate. 
And they might feel satisfied for a little while because that water took the edge off, right? But drinking this dirty water could actually make them sick and they could be worse off than when they started. And it's the same thing for us as believers. If we allow anything besides God to satisfy our desires, to quench our thirst, then we might feel like we've been satisfied for a little while. But ultimately, we will be worse off than when we started. Because God is the only one who can truly satisfy us. So in order to keep our fire burning strong for God and to keep our passionate heart alive, we must not let anything satisfy our desires. We can't be distracted by anything else. It's only God. In another Psalm, Psalm 73, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. When we don't desire anything else but God, we will be satisfied in him alone. And if that's true, if that's the case, that nothing else will satisfy us, then we will do anything and everything we can to seek after him and to be in his presence. And that's what passion is all about. It's being fully engaged, being all in, going after God. So the final thing that we can do to build this fire of a passionate heart for God is to live intentionally. Living intentionally means letting go of indifference and consciously making the choice to seek after God. There are many small ways that we can live more intentional lives for God. And over time, these small decisions can help to tend our fire and to keep this flame burning strong for God. For example, we have to be intentional about reading our Bible. If we don't make the conscious choice to set aside time to read the Word of God, we can become distracted and we won't ever do it. And that's why things like our SM4 260 reading plan that's taking us through the New Testament is so awesome because it is creating this habit in us as a church to be in the word of God. Another thing that we can do, this small way that we can be intentional is making the decision to go to church every week, right? I think that a lot of people since COVID started and since we have started putting our church services online, it can be easy for a lot of people to just roll out of bed and decide, oh, I'm going to stay in my pajamas and I'm going to make this really great breakfast for my family or I'm going to make myself a cup of coffee and then I'm going to sit in front of my computer or my TV and watch church. And 
church online is an awesome thing. And it is a huge blessing when there is sickness or when there is something that is causing us to not actually be able to go in person. But if we are well <laughs> and we are choosing to stay home, then we are not being fully engaged with what God is doing with this fellowship of believers around us in church. And so when we make the conscious decision to be intentional about coming to church in person, then we can actually be encouraged by other people around us and we can encourage others in a way that we can't do when we are watching online. It's all these little decisions that we can make to help us live in consistent pursuit of the things that are most important. So I want you to ask yourself, what are these choices that I can make today to live more intentionally in following after God? Because if we want this fire and this passion to burn brightly and deeply in our hearts, we need to make these small decisions and be intentional about what we're doing to follow after God. There is a part of scripture at the very end of the Bible in Revelation where Jesus speaks directly to the church. And in his message to one church in particular that was not on fire for God, this is what he said to them. He said, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And a few verses later, it says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Being lukewarm and being indifferent is the opposite of living a passionate life for God. In order to be passionate, we have to turn away from being lukewarm. We have to be intentional about actually making a decision one way or the other. We have to make choices that will bring us closer to God instead of being different, being indifferent. We have to diligently work on strengthening our relationship with God or else our fire will start to die out. If I can ask uh, Jason and Ellie to join me back up on stage. We're going to close up right here, but we have to be engaged and our lives have to be lived all in for God. If we want to form this heart for God that is passionate. I don't know about all of you, but I know that for myself, I want to live a passionate life for Jesus. I don't want to care about what everybody else is thinking of me. I want to burn brightly on fire for God. 
I don't want to give in to being lazy, even though sometimes that might be more comfortable and it might be easier. But if I choose to be lazy, that I'm going to miss out on all that God has for me. And I don't want to let anything satisfy this desire that's in my heart but God. He is the only one that can satisfy. And I want to make those intentional choices to grow in my relationship with Jesus and to do everything that he is calling me to do. So as we close today, I'm gonna ask you guys to stand with us because we are gonna go back into this song that we learned at the beginning of service today about stirring a passion in our hearts. Because if that is truly the desire of your heart, if you really want to be on fire for God, then let's respond to what God is doing in this moment. Would you sing with us? So stir up. our heart today 
that a passion would be stirred up so deeply inside of us, God, that it would overflow, that the passionate heart that we have for you would burn like a mighty fire that cannot be blown out. Help us, God, to be diligent, to do the things that you're calling us to do and to go all in for you, to be engaged with all that you have for us. As we are growing our hearts for you, God, would you help us to be a passionate people who are not comfortable with having a small flickering flame, but would desire, would desire to know you more, to be in your presence and to grow in our passion for you, Lord. Thank you, God. Would you just tell him in your own words, Lord God, fill me up with a passion for you, for more of you, God. We want more and more of you. You are the only thing that we desire. We know that you are the only thing that can satisfy. We want more of you, God. As we're concluding our service today, we have some people up in the front, our prayer team, that are here to pray with you. If you want to make the decision today to be passionately in love with God, and you want somebody to pray with you, these people are here ready to pray and minister for you. There's also people out in the courtyard to pray with you there. There's pastors online who will be willing to pray with you and to minister to you online as well. Church, you are so loved. And I am so thankful that I got to be here with you today. And I pray that as we leave today, we would remember the things that were spoken over us. And we would be people like King David who would be willing to do everything that God calls us to do. Amen? I love you, church. Have a great week.